uh, where they're going to be talking about um, just the, the, the fact that it's uh, Christmas period, it tends to be quieter. This is the time for a Christmas rally, uh, looking at what inflation's doing, how uh, things are easing and what this means for markets in 2023. And we'll also be talking about Sam Bankman-Fried, or no, jail, Sam we should say. Sam Bankman-Fried. <laughs> That's it. Well, hello everyone. It's uh, another episode of uh, Trading Insights with FXT. You've got uh, me, uh, Tim Muirhead, I'm from Arbonine Capital, and uh, Michael Berman, from, who's the CEO of FXT. How are you, Michael? Uh, good, Tim. I can start to feel that it's close to the end of the year now. It's suddenly starting yeah, that's to right. like so we're, uh, we're recording this on the 16th of the 12th, or I should say for our US viewers, <laughs> the 16th day of the 12th month, just so there's no confusion. Uh, yeah, that's right. So I guess we'll, we'll run straight into it. We normally um, start with a bit of a market wrap. Just so, look, market wrap. Um, we are sitting on, look, it's the for Friday morning. We've just had a massive sell-off in the US. I mean, we, I guess we shouldn't be surprised we've been getting these um, these sell-offs. But look, what we had the Fed out uh, the other day. Look, they've just raised um, 50 basis points, you know, still talking about trying to control inflation. Um, so sort of the same talking points as previous month. There wasn't a lot of change there. Uh, but they realise they have to, you know, get inflation down and that means sort of keeping conditions tighter for longer. And look, initially markets were okay with that. We seemed to get a bit of a, you know, a rally and then they, they closed weaker. But um, last night, the ECB and the Bank of England both raised 50 basis points, which I think was a little bit of a surprise given the market reaction. And so... We had quite sharp sell-offs, especially in the DAX. That was down oh, over three percent. I think the Nasdaq was, you know, three and a half percent, and the S and P five hundred sort of a similar down. So, look, really, um, things were coming off quite sharply. A bit of a reversal in the U.S. dollar. We've had gold and silver quite strong recently, and they they reversed sharply last night. And there really wasn't many places to hide in the equities. <laughs> Uh, about the only thing green on my screen was Tesla, which uh, uh, had been getting belted for the last sort of two weeks. So, I mean, you know, maybe that really just... surprised me, Tim, given the fact that uh, Musk had had sold another three or four billion. I was really yeah, surprised. That's right. Well, I think he's trying to basically shore up and have enough funds so that Twitter yeah. doesn't go under. But yeah, uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, and look, obviously, you know, um, Tesla, it's a bit of a discretionary stock. So people, you know, if they can't afford to buy, they can cancel their orders. So I think the market's discounting, you know, a bit of a slowdown for them. And also, look, Musk is being very vocal on Twitter, and I think he's tending to upset a few people. I mean, uh, the, certainly the, the Twitter file releases, which is showing certainly some uh, I guess political interference some interference with the FBI it's uh, certainly rattling some cages and I know a lot of, sort of high profile figures coming out and saying right I'm cancelling my order <laughs> um, you know markets are, are, are volatile and a lot of it is driven by emotion and uh, you know I think we are probably getting down to the point where you know if, uh, if if Tesla can can bounce here, we might get quite a, a solid rebound. Just given on how oversold things are now, and 
how negative the sentiments become. T- so, t- Tim, just to ask you, so just something, just to make a comment on what you were saying about Twitter and the, and Elon Musk. I, I, I mean, it's quite amazing that he would say, um, and he said it a few weeks ago that uh, for the for the advertisers that are pulling their advertising, he's ready to go thermonuclear and name and shame. Wow, it's a he is so unconventional uh, in, in in his whole approach. Who would I mean, you survive on the goodwill of your advertisers and then you threaten that if they pull their advertising, yeah, it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's either dumb or very, it's either brilliant or very dumb. Uh, I'm not sure which one. Yeah, that's right. And I noticed, um, yeah, he was selling um, his Twitter subscription, $8 a month, but uh, on the um, Apple platform, it was $11 a month just to highlight the uh, Apple 30% uh, tax on the internet, which Musk has uh, been quite vocal on. So he's okay. certainly not uh, not pulling any punches with a lot of these people. But uh, yeah, look, so markets, we are in this sort of, um, you know, it is coming into the, the holiday season. The volumes tend to be down. I think we've got triple riching tonight, a quadruple riching tonight, which is, you know, when you get the daily, the weekly, the monthly and the quarterly options all expiring at... Uh, you know, on the same time, so you can get some sort of big moves just with the, uh, you know, the hedging as, uh, you know, the time expires, these things can, can start to move. So we should expect, so, you know, some maybe some more volatility tonight. Uh, but it's a tough one, Michael, at the moment because the market's sort of battling with, you know, are we, um, have we risen rates enough? Can the, you know, the central bank sort of back off their hiking cycle now? Um, is there enough tightening in the system? Will you know how will markets respond? Uh, certainly, it looks like in the US that the uh, inflation is starting to be ingrained, especially with the um, you know the wage situation that tends to be climbing. So maybe they have to sort of you know get a few more people unemployed to take the pressure off. So that's you know, and I think the market is starting to look at how all this is going to affect earnings next next year. So it's a, you know earnings get affected negatively. So, but it's a uh, Look, it's pretty crazy, you know. If you, I would say, if you don't like the price action, wait a day. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it can be, yeah. it can be nuts. So, uh, yeah, amazing. So, um, maybe I'll just jump in and, and share my screen as I typically do with the, the navigator, just looking at the actual numbers for the month month to date. Um, I always like to sort per month. So, just to give us some some data points to look at. Um, in a future release, it won't update so quickly. It's quite annoying what it's doing there. But you can see silver still holding out for the month. Uh, you know, the week not so good, but I saw there was quite actually a strong sell-off um, overnight in silver, which surprised me. But um, up four percent for the month. Chinese stocks still up for the month. Uh, Euro dollar actually positive for the month. Um, Bitcoin still positive for the month. You, uh, pounds still positive. If we look on the, the negative side, it's basically the equities and oil. So um, the Nasdaq's down almost 6% month to date. Oil's down over 5.5%. Yeah. Yeah. Dow's down close to 4%. Ethere- actually, Ethereum's down, whereas we said Bitcoin was still up. So in- interesting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to comment specifically on what I typically normally show the the the, the price journey for the year um, we've seen 
obviously I'll just comment on this very quickly. Brent, you know, ran up very strongly at the beginning of the year and pretty much pulled pulled back close to negative territory. It's just hovering slightly above the green. Uh, who would have thought that? But Tim, you mentioned one of the questions and uh, actually before I I'll just I've got this chart open here. This, this is the, the the yield curve of the US, the classic yield curve. And as you can see, we're still very, very negative, so inverted. That means the longer out you go, the the lower the interest rates are relative to the, the near date. So it's the 10-year the over the two-year. And this is always typically signaled a, a recession. Um, and I just you know, wanted to comment because I think one of the questions you said we is, are we going to get a Christmas rally and and oh, what's what's happening with inflation and all all that? I just thought it's quite an opportune time just to quickly touch on that now. So, so um, yeah, we we definitely we, we had a fifty basis point rise earlier in the week, and Powell is still maintaining that we've got more work. He's got more work to do um, on the, the the cycle hasn't finished, but the markets were actually took it as quite bullish and and they you know, they they went off to the races and and started climbing. But but one thing he mentioned, which I found quite interesting, is that he he said he was vocal in the sense that he said he anticipates a soft landing, and that. That yield curve inversion is very much pointing towards recession. So, and it's been it's it's a tough call to make. It's a big call to make to say he anticipates a soft landing. But then, we had last night the ECB and the Bank of England also raising rates. And I took note with Christine Lagarde's comments saying that. I mean, she was very hawkish, and they're behind the curve. The the euro. The ECB is very far behind the curve, so they, they anticipate doing a lot more work. Um, we saw employment numbers, especially in Australia uh, in particular, we saw very strong employment numbers. We're employing a lot more people than we were employing pre the GFC, so pre the COVID, so a lot more people. And unemployment is at very low Maybe historic levels, I can't remember, but but it's at very very low levels. So you mentioned earlier, Tim, that inflation, wage inflation, seems to be baked in. It is. Uh, I think people said so the only hope they've got of not like drowning is if they get some some wage inflation. So yeah, I think longer, higher for longer is the way forward. The market is desperate to look for any green shoots for mm. silver linings i think they got it carried away earlier part of the week um it took years for inflation to manifest with all the pumping at the qe pump the the central banks pumping money into the system i actually saw a chart this morning of the central bank's balance sheet it's still uh, i don't have it in front of me but it it, it looks like it looks tiny on the chart how much contraction there's been so there's still a lot of money in circulation and and inflation's here. So, you know, yes, it came down from the highs of nine, I'm talking in the US, from 9% down to 7 and 7.4 odd percent inflation. But that's still high inflation. If your target's 2%, um, that's high. And, 
yeah, people are talking about the rate cuts coming maybe end of 2023, which is next year, or early 2024. I'm not so sure. Anyway, that's my view. Um, yeah, that's a good point you make, Michael, when um, when we say inflation has come down, so 9% to 7%. Well, if it's 7%, things are still rising at 7% a year. They're just not rising as fast as they were, but they're still rising. So, yeah, an important yeah. point there. So, um, yeah, and look, just I guess just on to our question just about the Christmas rally and um, why it's a thing. Look, there's, there's I've read a lot of, uh, I guess, um, stuff on why why this tends to happen look there's obviously there's seasonality in the market which tends to work but uh i mean the way we look at it is you know over christmas the um people tend to sort of you know start taking holidays there's fewer people trading and it's almost like there's less um i guess time in the market so a lot of these options end up you know just expiring and um, certainly right now, the um, put-call ratio, I think it was 0.95 when I last looked, which means that uh, there's a lot more people buying puts over calls. Now, that the I guess the way this works is normally when you buy, buy a put, obviously you can buy it off you know, someone who's selling one, but often you're buying it off a dealer. So the way, what they will do is you will buy a put, which means that you'll make money as the market go down. So they will basically sell stock or sell index futures to hedge their position. Now, mm -hmm. if you're, as your put gets to expiry and maybe expires worthless, the, the dealers are basically buying back that put that they sold. So when you get these sort of, I guess, slow markets and there's a lot of um, put protection, you're getting a lot of this uh, just natural buying happening in the market as options expire. Uh, and certainly, I mean, Look, there's, there's other reasons perhaps, you know, people are in a good mood, who knows? <laughs> and look, don't discount the fact that when something's become a thing, people know there's a Christmas rally. It's like, right, well, we'll buy because of the Christmas rally. They tend to self-reinforce as well. So, um, but, you know, it's interesting. Um, certainly with seasonality, it doesn't work every time. Maybe, you know, 60% of the time it works every time. But uh, um, we've certainly seen them not work some years. They're, they're not a sure thing. It's a... Uh, I guess it's a percentage gain, but uh, look, you know, the way the markets are at the moment, they're quite skittish. Uh, with, they're trying to sort of work out, are we going to get a soft landing? Uh, you know, is, is are they going to over tighten? You know, are things going to go bad? So it's, it's quite difficult. So, um, uh, Tim, Tim, on that, just maybe to, to add two points. I can't remember if we're going to talk about COVID, but I just want to talk about China and COVID. But before sure. I say that, just what you mentioned on seasonality, and I think it's an important point for people who are, let's say, starting out in their trading careers, that there are these concepts that around certain seasons, things happen. And based on a balance of probability, this is what should happen because it's happened more often than not in a market. So let's just say there's a Santa rally um, so typically in the, the month of December, markets rally more often than, than not. The important point here is that people don't typically view things probabilistically, which they should. Just because it does it, let's say it happens 60% of the time. That means 40% of the time it's not going to happen. Therefore, you need to bet appropriately. Rookies in the market tend to say, ah, oh, I've got an edge. 60% of the time, this market's going to go up. So what you what they tend to do is they go 
I, I was about to use a rude <laughs> word. Um, um, they, go, oh. they go fully All in. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> um, they go fully loaded into the trade and it turns out to be one of the 40 percenters and they lose their whole account. And just exercise caution, be be a little bit more systematic, Do the take the time. Um, you, we've got a Kelly calculator, which is actually coming through on the navigator. It's, it, I, I think it's, it's in the latest version. And, you know, you've got to do things where you play with the statistics and keep yourself safe. Um, just uh, to talk about COVID, yeah, um, I think China is now experiencing uh, uh, what everyone else has done. It's the cat's out the bag. It's it's very disruptive. We've got in our own office, we've got a few people down with COVID. Um, you know, meetings get rescheduled, all those kind of things. You do it at a grand scale. In fact, you do it in a country with the biggest population in the world. You're going to see huge disruption. I know certain factories are closed and that's going to impact on the world um, economy. And I think people start to discount it. As they see in the media, you see these um, places that become ghost towns. And I guess we'll start seeing statistics if we can trust or, you know, without, um, if, if we can start seeing like what's happening in hospitals and and yeah the great Xi Jinping will now possibly not look as grand as he was looking with you know calling out everyone who who was let's say not treating COVID as strictly as he was now we'll have to see what happens hopefully they've vaccinated the country well and and it won't be as as dire or dramatic as I'm pointing out, but uh, recent history tells me that it's going to be nasty. Yeah, indeed. Uh, anyway, so we'll get on to our next question. Inflation easing, uh, US consumer price inflation eased more than expected. How will the market go in 2023? Well, let's get to an easy question. Eh? Well, I, I was going to say last night we did see retail sales in the US, which uh, dropped quite significantly. So. Um, and I guess, look, we've already sort of covered it, but, you know, the market is, I guess, dealing with trying to discount. Um, have they done enough interest rates high? If they've done that and we see some slowdowns, there's a potential they can actually ease. That'd be good for markets. Um, if this inflation remains sticky and they've got to keep the rates up, well, you know, things aren't going to go so well. And I think also what the big one for us too is just the... Um, the, the Wall Street analysts, their earnings for next year still seem on the high side to us. We think uh, earnings will be off and that's probably going to affect valuation. So, uh, you know, look, it's probably going to be, um, I guess, well, the, the days of the, you know, the roaring bull markets year after year, I think, are over now. We've, we're, we're into a new, uh, a new era of rising rates and, you know, there's a lot of debt out there that needs to be paid. I think we've talked about interest rates and housing and refinancing, certainly it's impacting Australia and New Zealand, Canada and places like that. So I think you know, New Zealand real estate, that's off. I, if I, I'm going off my memory, it's about 15%. We've seen Sydney house prices now, they're now down 12%, I think 7.9% is the average in Australia now. That's the decline from the peak. And uh, look, then New Zealand has certainly been putting rates up faster than us. So, uh, you know, and, um, it's, you know, it's going to get tougher out there. I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of easy money made. Certainly we saw that in the crypto space. That's, that's uh, 
the crypto winter of, has, has come, <laughs> the, the blizzard here. I think that's going to be our next question, Michael, so we can talk about that. But uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't have much. Yeah, I mean, my views are bearish. You said it all there. Um, uh, high interest rates going to impact on earnings, impact on discretionary spending. Um, and, and yeah, if, you, if you've got a job, hang on to it. Don't be, and and if you if you got something if you're going into an industry that is rate sensitive, and you th and you you your whole bet is based on interest rates coming down, and and catching that wave, um, delay it. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. In my uh, yeah. there's an old uh, trading joke. It's like, what's the difference between a recession and a depression? Uh, a recession is when your neighbour loses their job. And a depression is when you do. So, uh, but look, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, anyway, now, so let's. Uh, do you want to get on to uh, the, the crypto? Uh, that's yeah. certainly that's just been yeah, fascinating. It, it is. I, I I wonder why as traders. Oh, I think I know why. You know, we we watched the cow. <coughs> it's it's it. The crypto world was like cowboys, um, and. <clears throat> Uh, it just was so fascinating how these guys. It you know what it was. I think this is what it was. It was the dot com era all over again. Like and when people started this online trading and had an e trade account and um, I know guys who who were giving up their jobs to be day traders and all that. And that's kind of what happened. And they made all this money and and the the sector grew from nothing to two and a half trillion odd dollars over a short space of time so it is parabolic growth and we saw guys like the sam bankman fried literally go from nothing in the space of like two to three years to be worth i i think he was on forbes with at around 30 billion dollars people don't realize that elon musk was only valued at about 26 billion dollars about eight uh, two years ago i think it was his net worth was was only 26 billion and then tesla took off and and you know he became worth 300 billion um something like that but but um the sam bankman fried getting arrested fascinating um i saw on bloomberg just before we did this we started this podcast if if he's found guilty on all eight, eight counts he'll spend 115 years in jail it's a long time um it, it's actually very sad. I think the guy's a pathological liar. I've listened to a lot of his his stuff. He is absolutely pathological, and and he deserves. And it wasn't it wasn't just him. There are others there that in the inner circle. It's you know, Gary Wang, his right hand man, um, who was ex Google, and and I think Vinod Singh, um, and then Caroline Bohm, if I'm Ellison, Caroline Ellison, um, th those four all know what was going on and that they were dipping into client funds. So he's, I guess, Tim, the only thing is, will he, will he <coughs> get extradited and or will he be able to somehow find some loophole that keeps him away? I, I, I'm not sure. My last comment on, on the whole matter is I watched uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin's interview with CZ which is that he's the guy's head of Binance. Yeah. He, to me, was, he instilled incredible confidence. Like, 
he if if it turns out that Barnans actually is insolvent or or that isn't matched one for one, he's the best liar I have ever heard because Sam Bankman-Fried I could tell was lying, but this guy CZ is either the greatest straight shooter or the biggest bullshitter I've ever seen. Anyway, that's my. <laughs> Well, I think, uh, was it CZ, he's given up his US citizenship to move to Hong Kong, which is a big red flag, really. Yep. But, uh, no, I mean, Sam Bagman-Feet, what was, I thought was most interesting, obviously, when it all went down, I mean, you know, obviously enough, lot, lot of money to talk to, uh, get legal advice, and I'm sure it went two ways of you can either stay silent and, uh, you know, nothing gets released except behind us, or you can try and, you know, talk your way out of it, and he certainly chosen the talk you know talk he's been on on numerous podcasts on you know chat rooms talking with you know sometimes you know thirty thousand people i think it was on twitter spaces at one stage and uh you know a lot of it's like oh we didn't really know and it was oh you know i should <laughs> basically trying to say it was uh you know sorry my bad you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh Look, a lot of people lost a lot of money, um, and I think you're right. There's there's so many smoking guns of uh, it looks like clear fraud. So, unfortunately, it looks like he, he might do time. Uh, will they extradite him? I would think so, Michael. I mean, um, you know, the US doesn't muck around. Um, and then the question is, why would uh, why would the Bahamas try to protect him? I uh, look, I do know. Um, last report I saw, he'd given you know seventy million dollars out to. Uh, uh, the political candidate, so uh, um, certainly looks like you know he might have a few friends in high places, but whether that saves him, we'll, we'll wait. And yeah, see. It could be like that Ecuador and um, Julian Assange, like where he spent all that time in in the embassy in London. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's got people on the Bahama payroll, um, but I can't believe that Ireland would risk the ire of of the US, I would imagine they're quite dependent on, on the US in yeah. tourism and all that. And it, look, it certainly took a long time for the indictment to come out. And I think, you know, I mean, the case was very complex. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, moving parts. Perhaps it was just trying to get it all right before you know, going after him. But uh, yes, unfortunately, it looks like he's uh, going to go down. Um, well, you know, it, if you it, go and lose ten billion dollars worth of client money, you probably deserve to do some serious correct, time. Correct. Um, you know, I'm not one for regulation, but uh, if you see in today's um, Australian Financial Review, you'll see that Finder.com, which um, dot a Finder.com.au. So, I uh, I think even on these, if it wasn't on this podcast, I wrote about it. But these guys came out with a product where it was a, a stable coin that gave you four percent interest in a zero percent interest environment that's ponzi um uh, you know no no stable coin produces income so um it turns out they did that without a license for financial product and uh, and yeah asic are suing them now so it, if there's one good thing and i don't you know i'm not one for overly regulating industry and all the rest of it. But uh, I think all the regulators are now dead scared for another F FTX to um, appear on their watch. So um, it, so everyone's trying to, I think if you're in the business and, you, and you're and doing things on the shady side, 
um, the regulators are going to shut you down because they just don't want to have another debacle like this. Ten billion, as you said, is a big chunk. It's not a small chunk of change. That um, um, how how big was the Madoff? I think Madoff was about fifty or sixty billion, if I'm not. Mistaken. Yeah, but look, they didn't lose it all, so there was a lot, a lot of the money came out. I'm not sure the total amount. It's been a while now, but uh, um, it's certainly yeah. in the same order of magnitude as Madoff. Yeah, the, so. the, the, this is. Um, I think even Enron was smaller, so than this. Mm. Uh, Enron was like five or six billion, something like that. So yeah, th this is massive, massive, mm. massive. Yeah. Oh no. So it's, I'm sure there'll be movies made about it. I know. Yeah. Look, it's just yeah. I mean, nuts, really. But uh, anyway. So, um, anyways, and um, so look, our last question. I guess we can just touch on is with all this fallout. Um, you know, what's going to happen to cryptocurrencies in uh, 23? Your, your views on that, Michael? Yeah, I think I, I, I'm actually quite bullish um, for things going forward. That. Um, uh, I, I'm not making much sense when I say that. Um, uh, we've discussed gold, and I just see cryptos as uh, you know forming a base. I'm not to say that it won't go lower than we are right now. Uh, it takes a few months for this shakeout, but I think regulators will step in, make it a little bit safer, and you know if this blockchain is what it's meant, they say it is, and if crypto does what it's supposed to do and take away some of that friction and bank the unbanked then you know i'm still bullish long term just extend your horizons yeah look i mean i guess a couple of views is um one um you know crypto obviously a new a lot of people didn't really know much about it you just saw you know any old coin just going through the roof money was chasing it people were getting rich overnight we're now seeing a lot of these Things turn out to be frauds and whatever, and you know people losing a lot. And and from the ashes, I guess I, I think we'll see uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and maybe a few others uh, still around. People are going to you know start to differentiate between like the exchanges like Binance, like you know FTX, and uh, understand that you know one is an exchange and other is an actual cryptocurrency with you know. A bit more following, I guess. Um, and look, from a sentiment perspective, it doesn't get much worse than this. I mean, look, I, I think it could get worse. I think if Tether blew up, I mean, maybe look, Binance, who knows what to get. I mean, it can always get worse, but uh, I probably agree we're getting to the point when, you know, I, I think most of the people who wanted to get out now are out and, you know, you run out of sellers and look if, uh, especially if we get a bit of, you know, easing next year, a bit more liquidity, we might see a run up and you never know, might spark it. But um, I was just going to add one more thing. Um, Bitcoin and the Lightning Network, I just noticed they're now using um, all the charging stations across Europe are going to start accepting Bitcoin through the Lightning Network. If we start seeing a bit more, you know, I guess real world use, which is sort mm. of something that Bitcoin suffered with, I think that's the way it'll it'll start getting people back into the space. And uh, but look, you know, it's a uh, it's tough times. You know, <laughs> I think maybe you're right. You've got to extend your horizons and mm. uh, be prepared to um, put in what you're only. Put in what you're prepared to lose, and you know, yeah. leverage. Leverage is uh, not a great thing in the crypto space. So, agreed. Okay. Mm. Good. Well, well, we we. Um, so we were going to wrap it up there. Okay. All right, guys. Okay. Thanks very much.
uh, and we'll leave it there. So, uh, yeah, so you've had Michael Berman from um, FXT and myself tipping your head and, uh, yeah, good to, good, to, uh, good to have you on board. And if you've got any questions, uh, please put them in the comments below and we will try and get to them. Thanks very much. See you all. Bye-bye.